Today is Sunday, December 12th, 2021. And I am here in South Texas, dead of the winter, with a nice and cold 62 degrees. I think I've mentioned before, but as I get older, the temperature window of my comfort zone gets smaller and smaller. So one of these days, I'm going to be old, I hope, and I'm going to like want a two-degree temperature differential. And I wonder what that will be. If I had to guess right now, I would say it'll be like 68 to 72. Like that's kind of my perfect temperature. Maybe a little cooler. I do like to see... I'm rambling. I'm rambling. Okay, this is the intro. You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast, the only show on the internet that doesn't talk about life in paradise. I used to but I don't live there anymore. I live in Texas, which is close to paradise. And if we're all being honest, it just depends on who you ask. Thanks for tuning in. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once a week or two to get them off my chest. And if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. I've got a pretty exciting list of things to talk about, at least if you ask me. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Head first. Sit back, relax, and give me the handle to the winch for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Welcome, guys. Thanks for tuning in Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Like I mentioned in the intro, I've got a couple of things to talk about today that I hope you find interesting. The first thing is um, about the future. If you listen to me, you know that I oftentimes talk about the future. I don't know why that's funny to me, but it kind of is. I kind of feel like a little kid sometimes. Just daydreaming about the future, what it might bring, and what things will look like. Since the beginning of time, as long as I can remember, I've always been interested in time travel. And for me, looking into the future is kind of like traveling in the future. I really hope I live long enough one day to experience time travel. I think it'll happen, I just don't know when. I'm a huge fan of autonomy. It means like robots doing things on their own. And so I was thinking the other day, or after listening to a, an interview where the guy was talking about how much of our cars sit idle. And I think the average is 85% of the time. 
And if you think about it, it's so remarkable that we live in a country that allows us to have these assets or these expensive investments, and we don't even use them, but for 15% of the time that we own them. I'm going to throw you a little piece of grammar knowledge while I'm here. Anytime you hear the word utilize, just remember that could have been the word use. They're 100% interchangeable. So if someone says utilize, it's just because they want to sound a little smarter than they really are. Okay, going back to the future of cars. Since we have these expensive assets that require tons of maintenance and upkeep. See, you get the real me on here. I don't cut out that much. So you get the maintenance, the upkeep, the expense, the breaking down, the registration, the insurance, the flat tires, the tire changing, the oil changing, the brake pads, all the things that go with cars, just so we can use them 15% of the time. In the business world, if you're looking at buying an asset or a piece of machinery, you need to keep it busy about 80% of the time to make it worth it. That's just the general rule of thumb that I've always heard. and I don't know. It could be wrong, but that's about what I've heard. And so if you look at America, how many people have cars? A vast majority of the population. That's one thing that, that we need to be proud of, is that people, the average person here has so much money, they can have a vehicle that just sits there 85% of the time. And when you're thinking about, I want to be like Norway, I, we should be more like Europe, think about the fact that most people there don't have cars. That's because they can't afford them, because they take it real estate, there's nowhere to park them, et cetera, et cetera. The prices of fuel are high. So take great delight in the fact that we can all afford to have assets that just sit there. But either way, in the future, we'll learn to be more efficient because we won't need our cars to be sitting there. The only reason they sit there now is so that we can have access to them whenever we want them. But if in the future you didn't have to drive a car, then it wouldn't have to be outside of your office waiting for you or outside of your house. There's no reason why you couldn't just summons one, just like an Uber. And I think a lot of people are replacing, at least in areas that it's difficult to own and maintain cars, they're getting rid of their cars and just using Uber. And I think if that was available to everyone and the cost was far less of owning a car, there's not really a good reason why people won't change over. That's going to not happen overnight. That's going to take some time to happen. I know that there will always be people who probably like collecting cars. I mean, there's guys who collect old tractors that we don't use anymore. So cars will always be around. Fossil fuel will always be used to power them. And I just think that the, the technology that's offered by the future will give people a way to move about without having to invest in cars. And then after that, there will be drones. I don't know if drones will ever be human-operated. Well, I don't know if they will ever be accepted widely if they're human-operated. I just think that the average person, including myself, is not qualified to fly things. And so once we can figure out the autonomous part, I think things are really going to take off. You'll see some autonomous cars, and then you'll see autonomous drones. Now, all that also, in my opinion, is contingent on the solid-state battery or some other form of power that we haven't quite sorted out yet. So the self-driving car part, we're not that far from. The autonomous drones, we like everything except the battery power. So once we have the battery sorted out, we'll be flying around in robots, just like the Jetsons. It's funny how that works. I was also thinking about um, heavy equipment and how the same holds true for it. If you're not using it all the time, it's costing you money. 
And right now, a lot of you might not know this, but heavy equipment that like cuts the earth and builds the earth up, you know, when you're building roads and bridges and highways, there's always some part of the dirt that needs to come up and there's some parts that need to get cut away. And so currently we have a system that's driven by a GPS and the human gets in the, the vehicle or the piece of heavy equipment and a lot of them already have computer programs that run off GPS that tell them, you know, cut off three feet of dirt here, put four feet of fill there. It's all modeled in a three-dimensional computer program and the guy just sits in there and makes sure nothing goes awry. Now, I'm sure if he had to operate it, he could, or there's some, probably some little finite things that you have to do, but we're really not far from it. So imagine a huge construction site that's just got gobs and gobs of equipment out there. They're all working with each other. They can work around the clock. They don't need breaks. They don't need to smoke cigarettes. They don't need to stop and pee. They don't have to eat. We can just run equipment 24-7. And a lot of people's reaction to this and bringing on all this new technology is, what about the jobs? What about the people who are working that were running the equipment? And I agree, it's going to suck to replace jobs with robots. But I feel like it's just part of the progress. You know, we, we replaced the buggy whip and the buggy whip industry with cars. You know, the guys who, who put, what do they call them? Farriers. The guys who put horseshoes on horses got replaced by the guys who own tire shops. And it's, it's gradual, but it works itself out. And so I'm of the mindset that we should never sacrifice technology just to salvage jobs. And I've caught some flack from it in the past, but I think we should do away with a lot of, um, a lot of government programs that are in place that we don't need like the United States Mail Service, the USPS. I don't see the need to send a vehicle and a man to every single house in the country every single day of the week. I mean, last I heard, they were delivering on Sundays. And I'd be willing to bet that if you ran all the numbers on all the vehicles that emit emissions in order to bring junk mail to my mailbox, you would find out that the amount of energy that Bitcoin uses doesn't even compare. But don't take my word for it. Go do your own research. If you remember a couple months ago, there was all this hullabaloo about Bitcoin causing hard environment conditions or using too much electricity. I've, I've talked about it in the past. I'm not going to go into it, but do your research. There's a bunch of weenies that were out there crying about Bitcoin causing a harm in the environment. They're wrong. They're wrong as usual. And honestly, I think that might have been a ploy, maybe by the government, to try to wreck Bitcoin. I have a weird suspicion that the government is going to try to wreck crypto altogether. I don't know why. I just kind of feel that way. I hope I'm wrong. I don't know if they can, but I feel like they're definitely going to try or they are trying. One of the two. Speaking of loving the government, it's so odd to me right now the climate that we're living in. And I'm not talking about the climate of the air outside. I'm talking about the, the whole notion that, that everyone's kind of expected to pick a side on something. And I've, I've talked about this a couple times before, but I wanted to touch on it. For whatever reason, there's groups of people out there who don't find it acceptable to not take a side. 
And in my opinion, it's perfectly fine to not pick a side. It's perfectly okay to say, you know what? I'm not really sure. I haven't done enough research. I don't, I don't know. And if someone doesn't respect you for that, that's on them. Because I would respect someone for that. It's, um, it takes someone who has some introspection to say, you know what? I really don't know. I haven't done a lot of research on it. And I love the reaction. Like, How could you not care? It's one of the biggest things to affect our country and our, our planet. Whatever the case may be, whatever the item, whatever the topic of the day is, you're always going to piss someone off that you don't care about it. And that's so odd to me. It is so odd. The first two things that come to mind are global warming and abortion. Like, I know it sounds bad, but there's, in my opinion, when it comes to global warming, there's not enough information out there that's, that I can say is valid or impartial for me to pick a side. And so I don't. I don't, I don't pick a side in global warming. And I don't think we should make all sorts of regulations out there because we, we don't know. We don't have enough information. And so people might say to me that I don't care about the environment because I'm not willing to make regulations. But really, I'm not willing to make regulations because we don't have enough information. This was the same way that I felt about the COVID regulations and the, the mandates for the vaccine and the mandates for the mask. I wanted to call a timeout and say, guys, timeout. We don't have enough information. And because of that, there's not a dire need to react extremely. So let's just call a timeout and let's just see how this thing goes. But that's not an option. People feel like if you don't spring into action immediately, that you don't care. And that is not true. You'll often hear in the media how many times the first reports get things wrong. School shootings. I mean, um, racially motivated crimes. How many of these things do we see? This whole Jesse Smollett thing that just came out. I mean, there was countless news outlets that were bashing this, who, this alleged perpetrator who hadn't been caught. The instant that this guy reported the crime to his lawyer, he wouldn't even call the cops, so he called the lawyer. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to people. I'm just saying that we should just wait before we react. It's a hard thing to say. We react is tough to say together if you're speaking fast. So I don't know. I just feel like it's okay to wait. It's okay. I reserve judgment. I, I did that with the George Floyd thing. Everyone, how can you not say he, he killed him? You're not willing to speak out against police brutality. Look, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't want people judging me based on one 30-second clip or some eight-minute video. And if that makes me a racist or a right-wing conspiracy nut because I'm not willing to take a side one way or another because I don't have enough information, then that's okay. That's your decision, not mine. I'm sitting here saying, I don't know. And you're sitting there saying, you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist nut job because you don't agree with me. Do you guys see that breakdown? Do you see how we're at a point now where if you don't agree with one side or the other, then they just presume that you're the opposite of them. And that is a dangerous position to be in. Imagine walking up to two guys that are in an alley. One guy's got a gun to the other one's head. And you walk up to him and he goes, this guy just robbed my house and raped my wife. Should I shoot him? And you're sitting there trying to decide, is this guy telling the truth? I don't know. What if I say yes and he kills him? What if I say no and he gets away? Obviously, this is a 100% hypothetical situation, and it wouldn't happen. 
but it's the closest thing that I could come up with to tie the relationship together of people that are just willing to instantly take a side. I, I know I've talked about this, but it's, there's some stuff in my life that's been going on that has brought this to light. And I just feel like it's, it's no one's responsibility but our own to not behave this way. Because you can't really tell people how to behave. You can't regulate how people behave. You can just encourage it. And even if you encourage it and it falls on deaf ears, that doesn't mean you have to hate the person. That just means you, have to, you can just disagree with their opinion on a certain topic. But the politicians have us so divided. We're at each other's throats. And, and honestly, I don't really blame the politicians that much. Everyone said Trump is divisive. Everyone said Obama's divisive. Everyone says Biden is divisive. And I feel like it's the combination of social media and the topics that get presented to us. And that's also part of social media and the mainstream media. We got to remember, they're just feeding back to us what we're telling them that we want because that's what makes them money. And so I don't think this whole polarization thing is going to go away unless people just get tired of it. But I think it's going to become second nature. I think the people who are 22, you know, 19 to maybe 26 right now, they're going to grow up and just be used to it. And it's going to be part of their life. And that might be just the natural cycle. You know, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if my grandfather, when he was 43, was saying that uh, the country is divided, it's polarized, it's never been this divided, and I don't see how it's going to get any better. And so where's the end? How's it going to end? You know, something, something can bring us together. It's not a virus, I can tell you that much. But something's going to have to bring us together one day. Or maybe not. Maybe we're going to leave the old world and go find a new world. I was watching a documentary last night about traveling to Mars. We're getting our... We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's, most of the product that we've done is, except now we, we may have added in the last day or so. And some what? of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill. All that stuff. Um, so some is Senate-oriented, and then we had the family medical need, we figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in. Manchin doesn't like it. So, um, uh, so we are getting some third and privilege. I think, I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub because privilege drug is deadly to a bill. Bird about, you know, it's important. It's, you have to take it out. But privilege violation can take you out. So, so we're, again, getting that as we go along as well. But when we pass a bill, then they will <laughs> see it in its aggregate and make uh, some... Any concerns that any of this is, quote, messaging because that they have to oh my take God, some I'm of these things out regardless, no matter what you send over? You said you weren't going to send not a help messaging me. bill. No, no, we're not sending a messaging bill, but we uh, want to be sure that what we send is not birdable or bird bath. Privilege scrub. What? Exercises engaged, bathing exercises we're engaged in, and um, uh, we're getting good responses. There's no bad answer. You know, it is what it is. Uh,
And it, at the closest point, when, when Earth and Mars are the closest point together, it, you can make it to Mars in seven months, maybe even five, if they can get the rockets to go a little bit faster. And so that got me thinking, well, that's about the same amount of time that it took the old world explorers to make it across the ocean. I think, I think it was like five months, three to five, seven months, something like that. And so we're really not, we're not that unrealistic about it right now. The problem we're going to have is creating an environment that's conducive to living. So I don't know. I kind of feel like whenever we can transform our brains to energy and shoot it in a light beam, that's when we're really going to get crazy. But that's, uh, that's a while from now, 200 years or so would be my guess. So that's today's future talk. Thanks for tuning in. On to the next topic. You guys have heard of the golden rule? It's called he who has the gold makes the rules. So my dad used to tell me that's the golden rule. Well, Pfizer, your favorite big pharma company, their revenues are up 134% year over year, which is absolutely astronomical for a big company to go up 134%. Even a company as big as Pfizer, of a big year of growth for them would be 20%. Even 20% is huge. But they're up 134%. In 2020, they did $10.2 billion. In 2021, they did $24 billion. In 2019, they did $12.7 billion. This is because $4 trillion has been pumped into the economy, specifically the, the world of drugs. And I wish that this stuff would be public, but you really have to dig for it. The idea that we're giving these pharmaceutical companies double their revenues to create a drug that, in my opinion, is to resolve a virus that is not really all that bad. I know there's people out there who are very dissatisfied with the fact that 808,000 people have died. And believe me, I understand. That, that is human life that I wish was not lost. But if we have to look at it, we have these companies that we've all pretty much agreed are pretty bad, right? And now, I... I'm kind of of a different mindset, but the general public doesn't like these companies that much because they control drug prices, because they do the research and development, and because they take the effort and they take the risk, so they're entitled to the profits of the drug price. So there's tons and tons of people out there, however, who don't approve of this. But because of the three-way sex triangle between the politicians, the pharmaceutical companies, and the media conglomerates, they're all in this big whirlwind of profit. And so we're giving these companies billions of dollars that we don't like, we don't agree with, we don't want to support. And what are they doing? They're making laws with the money. They're literally hiring lobbying firms to make laws. So they're, they're paying money to firms. Those firms are pushing for certain laws that are beneficial to these drug companies. And no one really talks about it. No one really worries about it. We're just going along saying, screw Big Pharma. Go get your shot. Oh, by the way, they made $24 billion in revenue. I think that's one quarter. I don't have it in my notes. I'm too lazy to look it up. But it's getting out of control. So from a business perspective, would you want that to end? Could you easily say, look, guys, we are trying to keep everyone safe. We're doing everything we can. Our shots are being mutated on. We, we're doing 
everything we can do to keep up with the spread of the virus. You need to keep getting your booster shot. You need to do it. It's for the safety of your family. It's for your safety. It's for everyone around you. Wouldn't, I mean, doesn't that all sound real? I feel like you could write a movie about this and people wouldn't believe it. I really do. I feel like you could show it from a perspective that I see it and people would think to themselves, oh my goodness, that's crazy that they're just handing over that much power to these companies which they claim to hate. What's the solution, you say? I don't know. At this point, I don't know that there's much that can be done. But it'll be too late. One day, we'll figure it out. All these laws are going to come down the pipelines. We're going to wonder why. Why are all these laws protecting these giant pharmaceutical companies that we used to hate? Well, remember when they solved COVID and we gave them billions of dollars per quarter? Yeah, uh-huh, I do remember that. Okay, yeah, they took that money and bought laws. So here you go. Make sure you go get your fifth booster shot. And what's even more strange about all this is that I feel like it's the government who's reacting. It's not the population. It's not the citizens. If it were, we wouldn't be, fielding, we wouldn't be filling stadiums full of hundreds and thousands of people every weekend to go watch college football. We wouldn't be traveling on airplanes. We'd be staying at home. If we were truly scared, we wouldn't be going to the grocery store. We wouldn't be out in public. We wouldn't be going to Christmas markets at breweries. But we do. We do all these things. We do know that the vaccination is not 100% effective. And we're all willing to take the risk. But if you look at it from the top perspective, the government is just pushing and pushing all of these regulations, cutting off travel to foreign countries. Oh, there's a new mutation? We're cutting off travel to their country before we even know what's happening. Why? Why would they do that? Why would the government take the initiative to, to all of a sudden put all these rules in place? Because they want to be heroes. They want to be the guys who saved everyone from COVID. Because enacting all of these laws and these regulations, it doesn't have any effect on them. It doesn't affect their business, their checkbook, their employees, their revenue. And so why wouldn't they? It's like I've always said, government employees will do whatever they can do to make their job easier. Because there's no competitive environment. No one is motivated to, do, to be efficient. Remember, there's four ways to spend money. You can spend your own money on yourself. You can spend your own money on someone else. You can spend someone else's money on yourself. Or you can spend someone else's money on someone else. And that's the position the government is in. They're spending other people's money on other people. Of course it's not important to them. It's the least important of the four scenarios. So I don't blame government employees. Well, I, I kind of do, but I blame the environment that we've created. I think it should be competitive. I think people should be incentivized. I think there should be competition. I'm being, now I'm being repetitive, but you get the idea. But we, in general, as societies, we're not really behaving much differently. We're not. But they continue to invoke rules and regulations and stipulations. It's getting tiresome. It really is. And, and one day, well, I don't know. The U.S. is pretty free compared to the rest of the world. But if you look at Australia and some of these Western European countries, they've had enough. They've had enough of it. And I don't think that the U.S. is 
immune to speaking out or causing a ruckus if things get pushed much farther, further, further, not farther. Luckily, though, I feel like we're on the downhill slide. I think we're past the point of everyone flipping out. We are now approaching the territory of government. Please stop screwing things up. You're really good at it, but just stop. Let us be free humans. In the world of vaccine mandates, L.A., Los Angeles, is now requiring requiring vaccine passports to go to a restaurant. So if you walk into a restaurant and you ask for a table, clearly you've got to have your mask on, and clearly you've got to have your vaccine passport to indicate to the restaurant owner that you've had the Fauci-ouchie. And so here's my question. One of these days, someone's going to show up to a restaurant and they're going to try to get a table. And they're not going to have their vaccine passport. And they're going to be a minority. Or they're going to be a woman. Or they're going to be a transgender. Or they're going to be an LGBTQWTF. Whatever they are, they're going to claim that the reason that they weren't allowed to go there wasn't because they didn't have their passport. It's because fill in the blank. And it's going to be interesting to me to see how the media and the government deals with this because it's only a matter of time. And this goes back to the whole division thing because the types of people who are pushing for all the mask requirements and all the mandates and all this stuff are the same type of people who run around and scream that everything's racist. And so it's going to be nice for guys like me to see them get a taste of their own medicine to let them know what it feels like to be called a racist when you, in fact, know that you're not. I genuinely think that a lot of these people don't know how bad it hurts to be incorrectly called something that you know you're not, and you have no defense. You can't just say, no, I'm not. And they'll say, yes, you are. I, don't, I think that if people really knew how bad that hurt to be falsely accused of something and not really be able to defend yourself... I really do think people would stop running around calling people racist and trying to cancel their businesses. I've had enough of it, if you can't tell. I honestly believe that the faster that we can all agree that we're different, the faster we can resolve our differences. It's the idea that everyone should fall into the same category that makes us argue or makes us combative about our opinions. Instead, we should really be trying to see the other person's point of view and coming to a resolution. But now we've gotten to a point where people won't share their opinions because they don't want to set someone off or make someone mad. And there's two things to that. Number one is how you share your opinion. And number two is how receptive is the person to you sharing your opinion? Because as long as both of those factors are in order, there's absolutely nothing wrong with sharing your opinion, but you have to have a level of mutual respect. Instead of withholding our opinions tightly within our clinch in order to avoid conflict, we should learn to share them respectfully and deal with the conflict like grown-ups and understand that it's just a difference of opinion. Because what it boils down to, most of the arguments that we have or the disagreements are all just a difference of opinion. And in my opinion, 
you cannot and should not make laws based on opinions alone. Speaking of opinions, you know what makes me feel gross and kind of like, I don't want to say embarrassed, but I feel sorry for the people who are like at big wide functions or restaurants and they're, they're serving people, they're waiting on them. And all the people around them don't have masks on. But you get all this help running around wearing masks. In my opinion, that is one of the most degrading things that we can do. But we're going to make the help wear a mask, but we're not going to wear one, and we're good enough to not wear one, and we're too stupid to stand up against the notion that you can't get COVID if you're sitting down. Really? Are we still there? Are we still believing that? Well, we just want everyone to feel safe. You know what would make me feel safe? Is knowing that this guy had the choice whether or not to wear a mask. And not that he was told to. Because he didn't want, or his boss didn't want the guest to feel offended and not come back there. Like, if that's not demeaning, or that's not derogatory towards, quote-unquote, the help, I don't know. I don't know what is all these red carpet events, all these famous people go, you know, they walk up to the area where I guess there's a nice backdrop where everyone can, can ooh and ah over you and take your photo and you can pose and everyone can see what you're wearing and what kind of car you came in and, you know, what jewelry you have on and who your date's going to be. You get in front of that and you take off your mask to take the picture. Why? And then you have all these people around them, these photographers, these people serving hors d'oeuvres. They're just masked up. What does this say about this class of people? You know, they walk around and they bitch about not treating people equally and the, the division of wealth. And they do nothing. They require people around them to wear masks. We should not support Hollywood. I, I am seeing a movement that I think people are shifting away from actors and they want reality, they want genuine, they want to know people, and that could not make me happier. It could not make me happier to think that one day these people who have gotten by their whole life on acting, they playing pretend, which don't get me wrong, I respect the craft. That's something that's hard to do. But those people deserve no more credit on politics or any topic of the day than the guy that's cutting your hair or the butcher, or the dentist, or whoever. Just because you can play pretend doesn't mean you know more about what's happening in the world of racism, in the world of math, in the world of science, in any world other than acting. Who is better at playing pretend? That is your specialty. I don't care if you can play basketball. That means you, what, you know more about racism because you play basketball? No. we got to stop putting these people on a pedestal. They're... They're motivated just like other people. They've been told things their entire life. They're not willing to think outside the box. And I can't wait. I can't wait for it all to end. I really do hope. I hope that YouTube and this whole idea of content creators being everyone in your neighborhood, this is, this is how it's supposed to be, at least in my opinion. My buddy slash business partner, Kale, told me a while back about a YouTube channel that he found that these people just, they, you, they video their sailing adventures. They're sailing around the world. They've got a little baby. It's a guy and his wife. And I, and I never really looked it up or watched it, but YouTube stuck it in my feed the other day, and I, and I thought, oh, that, I wonder if that's the show that he was talking about. So I watched it, 
and I watched another one, and I watched another one, and I'm like, man, these, these are addictive, and I'm, and I'm trying to figure out why. Why is it that I really enjoy watching this? And I can tell you why. There's no acting. There's no one that's playing pretend. There's no drama. People aren't fighting with each other. They're not creating a scenario that they think would be more attracted to the viewers. They're just filming their life. And if you want to tune in, tune in and watch it. If you don't, then don't. But it's very refreshing to me to get a nice dose of people doing what they love in nature, having a good time, and putting it out there for other people to see. It's so much more better for our souls than people constantly talking about the virus and playing pretend and being in movies and shooting people on movie sets and how that's going to go down and whether or not it should go into court and whether it was an accident or not. Like none of that stuff matters. Those people in Hollywood do not matter. It, they're the elite top 0.0001% of the country and they live in fantasy land. They don't know what it's like to not be able to make payroll. Their struggles are things like, oh, who should I wear for the next gala? Or whose jet are we going to go in to Vegas? Or how can I renegotiate my contract so that I can have $40 million a year instead of 30? These people aren't real. They don't deal with real problems. And I'm of the opinion, and I really do hope that the genuine human starts portraying their lives on the social media and then people who are interested in that can tune in. And because of the fact that this method, this, this medium of going straight from the creator to the consumer cuts out all the middlemen and it provides a great living to the, the person who's making the videos. It's funding their lifestyle. It's paying for them to go around the world and do more things. And, and you're, as a consumer, are supporting that. And you're not supporting some idiot who flies around in a private jet by himself, but gripes that we're having too much effect in the global warming, whatever. Uh, the hypocrisy that lies within these people, this ultra elite, all parties aside, these people who make millions and millions of dollars per year and they don't practice what they preach. There's something wrong with that. I want to say bye-bye Hollywood. I want that place to collapse I would love for Hollywood to look like Detroit in 10 years. And one day, one day we won't know if videos that we see are real or fake. If, um, if you're keeping up with te technology, you'll see that they have these things called deep fakes. And they can take old videos and reprogram the mouths of the, the people. Typically, it's old, rich white men that they reprogram their mouths and they, they can make them say whatever they want to say. And right now we still have the technology to be able to, to decipher if it's real or not, but we're headed in a direction that we'll, we'll be able to create them and people won't know if they're real. And you're probably asking me, well, how are we going to fix that? What are we going to do? Or you're maybe not asking me, but you're asking yourself that. At least I hope you are. And I think the blockchain is going to fix it. How did you guess, right? The blockchain. You got a cut on your finger? Oh, well, the blockchain will fix that. You got a black eye? Just wait till the blockchain gets here. Your car won't start? Oh, yeah, it's not blockchain. No, I'm just kidding. But sometimes I wonder if that's what you people think of me sometimes. Uh, but in all reality, I think that the, 
the blockchain world is going to create a permanent identity. I've gone into detail about this before, but I just wanted to bring it up in this aspect. I think that the blockchain will create a way so that your, your existence on the internet is permanent. You're tied to a number or an address or whatever. And whenever you present that through a video or whatever, some, some code or some QR code or something that you'll put in the corner of the video that will verify that it's real. Because one thing the blockchain is going to be really good at is permanency. All the things on the internet now are going to be gone. They're going to go away. People won't pay for the domains. And, and it's funny to think about it, that one day the internet as we know it now is going to be like the, the newspaper. It's going to be all old school. Like, oh my gosh, I have to log on to the old freaking internet, see if I can find it, search for all this crap. I don't know what's real or fake. Kind of like microfish. Remember <laughs> microfish? I feel like that's kind of what the internet's going to be like in the future. Wowzers, it's been 38 minutes since I've been blabbing, guys. I guess it's time for me to go. I'm getting ready to hop off here and hop on the Old Dog's New Tricks podcast with my homeboy cousin, Harry Hermes. We get a little bit more into the weeds about things. It's basically like tuning into a phone call <laughs> between two knuckle dragon gorillas because that's basically what we are. I don't claim to be much more. But if you want to check it out, you can find it on Podbean if you don't have an iOS device. Or if you have an Apple device, you can go through the Podcasts app and check it out. O-D-N-T, Old Dog's New Tricks. Check it out if you dare. And for the record, Bitcoin is at 50474 down about 15000 from where we were a few weeks ago. I'm going to start announcing the price on every show just so that I have a timestamp when I go back and listen to these shows or someone else does in the future. They're going to think to themselves, whoa, 50000 That's so cheap. If I would have known that back then, I would have bought. Yeah, that's you. That's you and me too. That's all I'm going to say about that. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast, although it has nothing to do with living in paradise anymore. I appreciate you tuning in. Hope everyone has a great week. Enjoy this awesome weather. Go out there, wash your car, play with your dogs, take some groceries to an old person, look people in the eye, try to remember people's names, share your opinion, but be respectfully and spend time trying to figure out other people's opinions and not convert them to your way of thinking. Once again, I appreciate you tuning in. Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space.
little. Ever since I was little, it looked like. 